Let us pray. Lord Jesus, when you walk into our lives, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. Lord, when you walk into our lives, our hearts start burning. And we just want to sit at your feet and worship you. Jesus, when you walk into our lives, sickness starts to vanish. And every hopeless situation ceases to exist. When you walk into our lives, Lord, the dead things begin to rise because there is resurrection life in all you do. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your love for us. We're humbled at how you have been ministering today. Amen. As I was preparing for today's message, I had this overwhelming sense that the Lord wants us to live. He doesn't want us to just survive or to cope with life. He wants us to live. He really wants us to experience life and life to the full. The kingdom life that he offers us is a life of righteousness, a life of peace, and a life of incredible joy. And he offers us this life no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Because the life he offers us is found in our relationship with Jesus and our intimacy with him. I'm going to be spending some time on the first chapter of the Gospel of John. It's a very glorious chapter. And in the opening verses, we see Jesus for who he is. We read about how he's our creator. He's the light of the world, and he is our savior. And then we read about what happened when Jesus walked into the lives of some people. How he walked into the life of John the Baptist, and the first disciples, and Peter, and Nathaniel. We'll be doing a bit of a Bible study today, so I encourage you to keep your Bible open on John chapter 1. And let's start off by reading the first 13 verses. I'm reading from the New International Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So my first point is about Jesus, our creator. And I encourage you to allow 
Jesus being your creator, just to sink into your heart afresh today. Because we've just read that everything, absolutely everything, was created by Jesus. In John 1 verse 1 to 3 it says, In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through Him, Jesus, all things were made. All things. Everything. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. So the sun, the moon, and the planets, made by Jesus. The galaxies, beyond our Milky Way, made by Jesus. You look at the sea and all the living creatures, made by Jesus. I have a son who's very fascinated with everything under the sea. He's forever asking me to Google about sea creatures, mysteries of the deep, sharks, megalodons. Do you know what a megalodon is? Okay, you can Google it after the service, not in the service. And giant squids. And we've discovered some incredible creatures. Do you know that there are around 400 species of sharks? Biggest one as big as a bus, smallest one small as a banana. I always say that I'm not so scared of that shark. <laughs> so at the moment when Colin grows up, he wants to become a micro, microbiologist, a marine biologist. He wants to become a marine biologist. And uh, he was quite clear when he told me this, that he wants to be the marine biologist that works on land behind the computer. So he's very fascinated about the living creatures under the sea, but he's not so keen on meeting any of them face to face. <laughs> but church, God's creative power is still best seen in the uniqueness of each person that he has made. Every person on the planet, you know, every person that has ever lived was made by Jesus. Consider yourself. You are absolutely unique. Look at the person sitting next to you. They are unique. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And scriptures tell us that, that God is the potter. We are the clay. He's carefully, carefully creating each one of us. The Lord's creative power is everywhere around us, evident in every single person that we meet. I find this picture of Jesus as our creator so important, but because it reminds me of, of his greatness and of his power and of his love. Sometimes in life, we can face incredible difficulties, situations that feel insurmountable. But when I look at Jesus as the creator, I realize that nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible. At a word, anything can change. Jesus creates things. Sometimes he creates things in our hearts. Can you remember how the psalmist said, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. But Jesus doesn't only create things in our hearts. Sometimes he creates things in our circumstances. He brings about change, opportunities, breakthroughs, open doors. That's who he is. My second point is about Jesus being the light of the world. Let's look again at John 1 verse 4 to 9. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, 
but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light, Jesus, that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Jesus came to give each one of us light. When he shines his light in us, everything begins to change. It's incredible how when you meet someone who has just given their life to the Lord, how there's light in their eyes and in their spirits. They've come alive. Now, I'm not sure about you, but there are times when I look at Jesus and when I consider how he lived and I read his word and what he taught, that I get challenged. Any darkness in my life just gets exposed. Any sinful thoughts, any anger, any selfishness, any fear just comes to light. And I know that I need to ask him to help me. We have a painting in our offices at the church. That's the painting. And it contains two images of the same lady. On the one side, the lady is trapped in darkness. There are thorns surrounding her. And she's clearly burdened and oppressed. On the other side, she is radiant. Light is streaming onto her face. There are no thorns holding her back. And flowers are blooming around her. And in the middle is the cross of Jesus. Whenever I see this painting, I'm reminded of what Jesus can do. Of what happens when Jesus shines his light into a person's life. And the freedom and the life that he can bring. In John 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I remember a time in my life when I was sitting on the fence between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But the Lord in his mercy challenged me. He challenged me in that place. And I responded by recommitting my life to the Lord, by giving myself wholeheartedly to him. I was 18 years old at the time, and that decision changed the course of my life forever. There's a little nugget tucked away in John chapter 1, verse 16. You can look. I'll read it to you. It's an incredible scripture. It says here, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And I can testify of this in my life. But the turning point was that day when I let Jesus walk into every part of my life and shine his light. Are you in need of the Lord's light today? Perhaps today is the day where you need to let Jesus walk into your life for the very first time. Or perhaps today is the day where you can invite Jesus to walk into a part of your life where you've kept him at arm's length. I remember reading a book by Peter Horobin on forgiveness. And he mentioned how sometimes our lives can look like a house with many rooms. Some of the rooms are open and welcoming and full of lights. And you can access them. Other rooms, the doors closed and barricaded and tightly shut. Those rooms usually contain the hurts of the past, the regrets of the past. Sometimes they contain anger and bitterness or fear and anxiety about the future. But church... Jesus wants to flood every part of our lives. He wants to come into every one of those rooms and make it new and shine his light. 
Bring freedom. My third point is about Jesus, our Savior. We look in John 1, verse 10 to 13. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus' name, the name Jesus, means Savior. His name means Savior. Every time you say, Lord Jesus, you're saying, Lord, my Savior. That was his mission, to save us from eternal death and to give us eternal life. That is why he came. Now, verse 10 and 11 must be two of the very saddest verses in the whole Bible. Listen to them again. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, through Jesus, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Think about this. Jesus made the whole world. He made every person. But when he came to earth, he was rejected. And even today, there are many people who reject Jesus. When was the last time that you spoke to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus? A few months ago, I had a conversation with a young man who was around 19 years old. And he was openly declaring himself an atheist. And I had a long chat, maybe an hour. I listened to him and he shared some of his thoughts. And I could share around Jesus and our need for a Savior with him. But I was saddened because his eyes were dark. And his heart was dark. And he was completely closed. Completely closed to the Lord. In fact, at the end of the conversation, he said these words. He said these words to me. He said, well, if Jesus is who he says he is, I will be among those who would be eternally lost. Fortunately, he's very young, and our God is very merciful. And Lord, I pray even today, you know him, you know where he is. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to him, and that he will become born again, in Jesus' name. But the next two verses are two of the most wonderful verses in the Bible, the next two. Have a look at them, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, I would imagine it's the majority of us here today, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. When we receive Jesus, when we invite him to walk into our lives, he gives us the right to become part of his family, to be called a child of God. His heart is for us to belong to be able to have a relationship with him, to be able to talk to him and listen to him and fellowship with him. For us to truly live, to be fully alive, we need Jesus. We need a Savior. We need our sins to be forgiven. We need to be set free of condemnation and guilt and shame. And we need someone who loves us unconditionally. And we find that in the Lord. My fourth point is about what happens when Jesus walks into our lives. The offering song put it so well. When Jesus walks into our lives, everything changes. You see, he brings his creative power, he shines his light, and he saves us and adopts us into his family. 
But Jesus also brings qualities of himself and deposits them in our hearts. So interesting that as you read the Bible, you can often see that people who spend time with Jesus, afterwards, they, they began to behave like him. There was something of Jesus that rubbed off on them. Let's look at John the Baptist in this first chapter of John. Do you know what quality of Jesus rubbed off on him? Humility. You see, Jesus was humble. He left his throne in heaven and came to earth as a baby. And he lived on earth. And we can identify with him because he lived on earth as a, as a person. And he also came in that form because he knew that he needed to die for our sins. That's humility. When Jesus walked into John the Baptist's life, listen to what John said. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man, has come a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. In the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptist said to the people, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If at some point in your life you find that you struggle with pride, and it can come quickly just like that, it just takes one bit of success and pride can rise up in our hearts. If at some point you struggle with pride, I encourage you just to spend time with Jesus because then humility will rub off on you. Well, let's consider how Jesus walked into the lives of the first disciples. Do you know what quality rubbed off on them? Generosity. In John 1, we read about Andrew and another disciple. The other disciple isn't named, but many scholars think that it was the Apostle John. Um, but these two men were actually disciples of John the Baptist first. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Have a look at John 1, verse 35 to 38. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. Of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus said, saw them following and asked, what do you want? Andrew said, where do you stay, Lord? And he said, come and see. Scriptures tell us that they spent the day with Jesus. We don't know what they did. We don't know what he said to them. But this encounter had such an impact on Andrew that he went to his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And he took his brother to Jesus. You see, Jesus is so generous and he was so generous to them. He gave them his time and he opened their eyes so that they could see that he was the Messiah. Something that he shared enabled them to believe. And generosity rubbed off on them. Andrew didn't try to keep Jesus to himself, but he quickly set off to find and tell his brother that they had found the Messiah and to take him to Jesus. There are times in our lives where we will struggle with selfishness. What is the answer? We need to spend time with Jesus, and his generous heart will rub off on us. The next person we read about is Simon. And then Jesus walked into Simon's life, 
He gave him a new name. It's quite a big thing to do that, you know, to give someone a new name. Jesus walks into Simon's life, and the first thing he does is he says, you are Peter. And the name Peter means rock. And in so doing, Jesus gives Simon Peter his identity. When you read the book of Acts, you can see that Simon Peter just came into that identity. He was solid as a rock as he ministered to the early church. You see, Jesus knew his identity as the Son of God. He knew who his father was, and he knew what his mission was. So when he saw Peter, he could speak identity into him. Some people here might be struggling a little bit just to figure out, who, are, who am I? You know? And uh, if that's you, I encourage you just to spend time with the Lord. Wait on him. Wait on him. Spend time in his word, and he'll begin to reveal who you are and what he has deposited inside of you because he's got a good plan for each of your lives. The last person we read about in John chapter 1 is Nathaniel. And when Jesus meets him, he says these words. They're found in John 1 verse 47. Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. The living Bible puts it like this. Here comes an honest man, a true son of Israel. When Jesus walks into the lives of people, he affirms those God-given gifts and characteristics that he has put inside of us. Miriam has put specific things inside of you and he'll affirm those gifts. You see, Jesus knew what it was like to be affirmed. Can you remember that when he was baptized, we read how heaven opened and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When we spend time with Jesus, he will affirm us. And we, in turn, will be able to affirm and encourage others. So what is our response to Jesus? We live, we truly live, when more and more of Jesus rubs off on us. When his humility and his generosity and his identity and his affirmation become part of who we are. Not to mention his love and his compassion and his righteousness and his grace. We should long to be like the early disciples. It's quite incredible. When people saw them, they realized that these are unschooled, ordinary men, it says in Acts 4. But they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I would like to end with something practical that we can do. Something that um, we can learn from Mary. Can you remember how Mary uh, and her sister sort of served Jesus in many ways. And on one occasion, uh, Martha was busy, very busy doing a whole lot of things, and Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. And Martha was a bit upset, and she went to Jesus, and Jesus stopped her, and this is what he said to her. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 to 42. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing. I think for some of you today, you just need to hear that one line. Mary has chosen the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. From Mary, we can learn three things. We need to stop. We need to step out of our busyness. 
We need to sit at the feet of Jesus to be still and quiet before him, quietening our hearts. And then we need to listen to him. And to listen to Jesus involves tuning in spiritually, getting to that place where we can really hear his voice. On Thursday last week, I spent a few hours with the Lord, sitting quietly, enjoying his presence. And afterwards, I was so taken. I just said, Bruce, you're going to have to find a way of doing this more. I'm not talking about daily quiet times, shorter ones. I'm talking about extended times where there's time to really stop, to really sit and linger in the presence of the Lord and to listen, to allow the Lord to speak. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us and we thank you for your word and how it can encourage us to really live. We thank you that abundant life is what you long for each and every one of us here. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our creator, and that we can trust you, Lord, to create things in us and to bring about change in our circumstances at times. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world, and we invite you just to come and shine in our lives, into every nook and cranny, so that the radiance of your presence is seen in us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our Savior, and that our sins are forgiven. We've been washed and cleansed by your blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love to walk into our lives. And when you do that, everything begins to change. Lord, I pray that each person here will leave with hope in their heart, knowing that they can trust you. They can depend on you. And I pray that you will help each one of us to linger in your presence, to learn from Mary, to sit at your feet, to stop our business and to hear from you. Lord, I pray for your blessing on each person here, over them, their families, and all that they need to do this week. May they experience your grace and your blessing in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.